am excited to welcome you to Live Healthy Naturally, a podcast about how to get healthy and stay healthy naturally. I'm Dr. Samya Shrivan. You can find us on all major podcast hosts, including Google, Apple, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Hello. Thank you for coming in for today's podcast interview. I really appreciate you being here, Gina. Thank you. Gina's the way I actually met Gina was a few years ago. I met her as a patient's mother. Mm-hmm. And then over a period of time, we have actually connected because we are so much similar than <laughs> different. And, you know, we were just talking about how we actually keep, you know, finding things, finding challenges in our own lives and keep complicating our own lives and you know we can't seem to be at peace with whatever we have and then we just go on to complicate things and that actually makes us more similar than different and uh, but the most amazing thing about her that I am inspired by always I love is that she is so such an amazing mother the kind of emotional quotient she has with her children, the way she interacts with her children, the way she interacts in any relationship is fantastic. And that is something that I've, you know, always been inspired by and, you know, keeping on learning from her, but also how she was when her child was sick and how amazingly she carried herself and her child through a lot of trauma through a lot of difficulty challenges but she just did it with such grace and beauty mm. and she recovered her child from autism and that is the journey that we're going to talk about today so i'm very happy to welcome you gina thank you for coming oh thank you so much thank you and yes i am so proud of the improvement that i have seen on my daughter on isabella And I'm so happy that you invited me to speak about it because I think it's so important for other parents to know that there is hope Yes, and that there are many things that they can do to improve their lives of their children. Yes, I agree 100%. And I mean, that's the whole point of these podcasts, especially these interviews that I've been doing since the beginning or the middle of this year or rather March of this year, is that I realized that that people don't really know. And when people don't know, they feel hopeless. And when they feel hopeless, they cannot really spring into action and they kind of accept and settle into despair, but not really, you know, being able to do anything about it because they don't think there is any other way of doing anything. And that is the reason why I do these things. And, you know, of course, I complicate my life more with doing more, but (laughs) this is something that it can give hope to one person. I think it is totally worth it. And I appreciate you coming and spending this time to be able to share your story so we can give hope to other people. Thank you so much. So tell me a little bit about maybe even your background into like how you were brought up and was that the way you were brought up through natural medicine? Was it something even a concept in your life or was it something that you learned over a period of time and then how you had your children and what happened after that? Yes. So I have a lot of doctors in the family. So growing up, I was not race in a very natural way. It was every time if I have a little cough or I had a little something, they will look into cook-ups of aunt and uncle and get the antibiotics and give an injection just to as a preventive so that it wouldn't like you know end quickly and mm-hmm. and we didn't understand the impact that that had mm-hmm. we believed vaccines were amazing mm-hmm. so we received all the vaccines accordingly even though that was the way I was raised 
there is a lot of still traditional things that are happening in Mexico in terms of the food, in terms of the teas that you take for like a stomach ache or for this or for that. There is still some of that left in the culture in Mexico, right. even if you don't realize that those are natural treatments. Right. You just do them. Yes. But it was not until I came here that I didn't find the answers through the traditional methods that I was used to, that I started exploring other avenues. And you were also diagnosed with Hashimoto's very young, right? You know, in your, in your 20s, I suppose? Uh-huh. Right. So I never made the connection, but it all happened whenever I moved here. Mm-hmm. So I was receiving new set of vaccines mm-hmm. uh, as, you know, part of being able to get my permit to live in the United States. Mm-hmm. It was after that that I started experiencing, actually, I didn't experience anything. Mm -hmm. I was experiencing, I guess, a little bit of trying to fit in into the society because I didn't speak English, Mm -hmm. and so I had to learn the language. So Mm -hmm. I was feeling a lot of challenge because I wanted people to know me, and I couldn't express myself properly. Mm. And so that was very difficult. So in doing so, I was trying to overcome that. I was trying to study. I was trying to get to meet people with my broken English at the time. And then I started going to the doctor to get my regular Mm follow-ups. And that's whenever he was kind of surprised that my tests were showing that I have issues with my thyroid Mm -hmm. because I didn't have the, I guess, like, you know, by observation, it didn't seem like, you know, I had any issues. Mm -hmm. So he tested me three times. Mm -hmm. And then finally, after the third time, he said, yeah, you know what, you probably are just getting started with issues with your thyroid. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to get you started with some medication. Wow. And you know, there is this is interesting that you said that you were unable to communicate, you weren't able to connect with people through language, through your voice. And that is the fifth chakra. And so if you are not able to speak your truth or be yourself through your voice, then that actually blocks the thyroid and doesn't allow for it to work optimally. So this is another aspect to your hypothyroidism on top of all of the other aspects that came into it with, you know, moving here with all kinds of chemicals, toxins going into your body. This is also another aspect. And I just wanted to you know, bring some, you know, sh- shed some light into that. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, that's so then what happened after that? So was it actually easy for you to get pregnant? How was the whole pregnancy delivery and then your child rearing? Then it wasn't easy to get pregnant. I thought it was gonna be super easy. So mm-hmm. whenever my husband and I decided, okay, let's start trying to get pregnant. I thought it was going to be immediate. Mm-hmm. So as soon as we decided we're going to get pregnant, I started telling people that I was pregnant and oh, walking around <laughs> saying like, yeah, like, you know. <laughs> and so then I realized that it wasn't just like that. It wasn't just a thing where you say like, hey, I want to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then it just happens. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand the process. And all my sisters got pregnant so easily. Right. But it wasn't happening for me. Mm-hmm. And so then whenever we realized it wasn't happening month after month, we started going to see doctors and a specialist. Mm-hmm. And every time they will tell me, we don't know what is wrong. Mm. You should be able to get pregnant, but mm. somehow you're not able to get pregnant. Mm. So let's run more tests. And at some point, there was a doctor who wanted to perform a surgery to help me out. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I didn't go through with it. Mm-hmm. 
because it just didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. So we tried to do, it was an IV, but it was whenever they do another process to try to help you get pregnant. Okay. But it was also where they give you medication Uh to to try to uh, enhance your chances. So it was after two years of trying different things that I finally decided to give up. And Mm -hmm. I told my husband, I said, you know what? This is not worth it. Mm. We have each other, mm-hmm. and I'm so thankful that I found you and that we have such a solid and good relationship. And I don't want to keep on looking for something that could maybe cause a hardship in our relationship mm-hmm. because the medication that they were giving me mm-hmm. was making me cut, like, you know, it was causing me to have menopause. Mm. I knew that was going to happen with this medication. So he will come and give me a hug, and I mm. wanted to punch him on the face. Wow. And I was like, okay, Gina. He's giving you a hug. He's doing something nice. Mm-hmm. So kind of come down and don't do anything. Just mm-hmm. don't wow. move. And so he never knew that was happening to me. Wow. But later on, I told him, I mm-hmm. was like, you know, I know this is wrong, but I felt like punching you whenever you came mm-hmm. to hug me. And I know it's like, you know, this medicine that right. is taking, like making me do that. So they, every time they will say like, you know, IV was the way to go, mm-hmm. but it was super expensive mm-hmm. and I didn't want to spend that much money mm-hmm. on a, a possibility that we might get pregnant to then spend a lot more money into, right. the, you know, what goes into having children. So Finally, after two years, I told him, I said, no, you know what? Let's just be thankful for what God has given us. And and, and so he said, no, you will be such an amazing mom, mm-hmm. Gina. I agree. Let's try. <laughs> so he said, let's do it one more time. Mm-hmm. We'll go to see this one new doctor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and that's it. If he doesn't give us any hope, then that's it. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, this, mm-hmm. is, this is our last try. And so we went to see that one doctor. And he was just amazing because we walked in. Mm-hmm. And the person at the front desk, she says, Oh, I'd we check your insurance and da, da, da. IVF is completely covered. Wow. And I said, uh, nope, <laughs> that's not the case. We checked right. already with three other right. doctors, uh-huh. and all of them told us it was going to be thousands and thousands of dollars. And she was like, no, it's completely covered. You wow. don't pay anything. What divine intervention, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I I couldn't believe it. And so finally, um, you know, the doctor said, okay, we'll go through the process of IVF. Mm-hmm. You might not get pregnant the first time. In fact, it's very uh, little chance that that will happen. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, there is a lot more possibility in the second or third, chan- the third time. And I said, okay, then put three babies in. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, we're going to do two mm-hmm. and no more than two. And my husband was like, yes, no more than two. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my goodness. Okay, fine, just two. <laughs> so they put two and they took. They took and it was it was amazing because they were like telling us like, you know, these are the most beautiful, precious, perfect embryos we Aww. have ever seen. And, and I was just Aren't you so happy excited. that it wasn't three? Yes, <laughs> I I realized that one thing too, and I was like, oh my gosh, because it was a all very, four. Oh my goodness! No, no, it was so hard already as it was with two, uh-huh. and the pregnancy was super hard because they were in two separate sacs, right. so the hormones were double. Right, and so I couldn't. I, I wanted to be that mom who was doing yoga and walking and running and being very active and I couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. I was always on bed in bed. Like, you know, I couldn't sometimes even watch TV because I will feel like everything was just going around and oh. around. 
So I was I was very sick, but at the same time, I was just always very thankful because I was like, this is a sign that I'm pregnant mm-hmm. and this is what I wanted so bad. So thank you, God. And no complaints here. And I'm just going to, you know, tough it. But, you know, if I have known about all the alternatives right. whenever I was suffering right. then, right. I would have been so much better. Exactly. So but, much more comfortable during yeah. the pregnancy. Yeah. But, I mean, I have to say something about your attitude. You know, I think that actually has played a huge role in everything, you know, from the beginning to now and all the other things that you've been saying as to, you know, how your own diagnosis and then on top of it, not being able to get pregnant, you know, having to go through so many procedures for two years and still not able to get pregnant and then go through IVF and then get pregnant, but then actually have all of these difficulties during pregnancy and then have the child and then have the child that is actually sick. I mean, Think about how many people would have actually lost their minds over it and would have given up. And that is just something that I, as I said initially, very inspiring about you, Gina. And that's something that I really want people to understand. And I often quote you uh, to my patients as well, just because of that, you know, whenever I see patients with autism and, you know, their parents, I often see them and I understand it's a very, very hard, you know, challenging uphill battle. I understand that. But our attitudes actually help us spring into action or our attitudes make us kind of become, kind of pull into this cocoon and we cannot really help ourselves or our children. And I think that is something that I really want to mention here. And one other thing that I would like to interject and say is that for those, anybody who actually is dealing with infertility and have issues, and I know that you didn't know it at that time, but acupuncture is phenomenal for that. So many women actually get pregnant with acupuncture for infertility, you know, even without going through IVF and so on and so forth. So that's always something that, you know, I would love for the listeners to try before you actually go for anything much more expensive or invasive. Yes. Yes. And I did acupuncture after I got pregnant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, it was actually not after I got pregnant, but once I got the embryos into my body Mm -hmm. uh, and I wanted to make sure they took, Mm -hmm. somebody mentioned acupuncture. Mm -hmm. So I went and did acupuncture because I wanted to make sure that it was going to be a successful IVF um, experience and it it worked. Yes. So I, yes. Yes. (laughs) And then once, so you actually had, you have a fraternal twins. Right. So two daughters. And as once they were born, what happened? Like, you know, obviously you are not really much into still holistic and so on and so forth. So what happened with the delivery and, uh, you know, their first few years, if you will? So, yeah, I had preeclampsia. I went to the doctor just for a regular follow up. And then whenever she was checking, she was like, oh, have you been feeling dizzy? And I was like, yeah, my entire pregnancy, Mm. nothing unusual. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, well, you have preeclampsia. You're going to have to have your babies today. Mm. And I was... I was and this like, was how know, many weeks? It wasn't bad. It was 37 weeks. Okay. So I told her, I said, no, no, no. I cannot have my babies right now because I have it in all day. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was just going to do this and go and eat. So I was like, <laughs> let's just pretend I didn't show up just yet. I was like, I'm just going to go and grab something to eat. And then I come back and then you give me the news. But she wouldn't let me. And so, <laughs> so I had to call my husband and I was like, okay, it seems like we're going to have the babies today. And so we did. But with the preeclampsia, they had to give me all this medicine and I was feeling so sick that I couldn't really hold my babies when they were born. I, I just was just like feeling like I was throwing up. So mm-hmm. I was like, take him away because I'm going to make a mess here. So they 
took me away. They put the babies away. And whenever I was, uh, like, you know, awake in the room, they would, like, they wouldn't bring me the babies mm-hmm. uh, because they were at the NICU. They were too tiny. Okay. And so the only way for me to see them is if I came to the NICU. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you know, I didn't know much about my my rights or anything so they were saying like you know nobody could bring me to them Mm -hmm. then it was whenever my doctor came and she was very upset to find out that I haven't even seen my babies Mm -hmm. and she was like I'm gonna make sure that you get there right Mm -hmm. away but I was pumping I Mm -hmm. wanted to make sure that my babies were getting breast milk Mm -hmm. so I was like okay just make sure that this makes it to them and so whenever I got to see them at the NICU Isabella was placed it, like kind of like in a like isolated mm-hmm. monitored Anna was there at the NICU but she wasn't like that it was mm-hmm. she had more access to people mm-hmm. and so with Isabella they gave her like uh, antibiotics on day one as oh, a wow. preventive mm-hmm. because they said she had a low uh, white cell count mm-hmm. then you know we were there with them for a week mm-hmm. and then after a week they said, okay, we'll let you take them with you home, mm-hmm. but just know that if they get sick, they can die within a day. Oh, wow. And uh, because they're too tiny, mm-hmm. so you have to be very, very cautious. Mm-hmm. Do not let anybody come close to them unless mm-hmm. they have a mask or gloves on. And it was just this paranoia that they were creating in my mind mm-hmm. because I didn't want to have that sort of way of being with my babies right you know it it was crazy it was how many years ago and I have pictures of my aunt with a mask on holding the baby and the gloves because they were saying that that was the only way that uh, so it was COVID times before COVID times yes exactly yeah so we were there with them they were eating every like you know 30 minutes so I was not sleeping so for many days I was you know suffering for hallucinations Mm. I, I I was seeing things that were just crazy and and I could understand how some women can go into become aggressive towards their children yeah yeah but I was again able to talk myself out of it I Mm -hmm. I knew I was holding my baby I knew what I was seeing was wrong Mm -hmm. and it was just out of exhaustion that I was Mm -hmm. seeing all of that my husband was a true partner and he stayed there with me for a long time taking months from work but he lost so much weight Mm -hmm. he was on his butt like you know he was so skinny and there were like purple under his eyes and because he was holding one baby and I was holding the other one Mm -hmm. and he was like okay you want a break okay let's change babies and there there was no real break it was just like have the easy baby now for you and Isabella was having severe reflux Mm -hmm. so we were always afraid to put her down Mm -hmm. because the milk will come and it didn't matter how long we waited Mm -hmm. and we were holding her up as Mm -hmm. soon as we will put her down it will like the the milk will come out so we had to buy a wedge where she was almost standing up to to sleep. Wow. And we always have to be monitoring and making sure that she was fine. Mm. But yeah, like we will go and see the pediatrician. And even with all of these, it was all normal, they will say, because they were twins and twins are always very fragile Mm. and they always have many issues. Mm. So all these things and all these struggles that were happening were just because they were twins. So sad. And uh, then when did you actually find out, uh, you know, I know, I remember um, Isa, when you brought her, she was three, I think, or mm-hmm. almost three to me, and she had eczema at that point in time. So can you 
tell me backtrack and tell me when it started so she had reflex first and that's something that i also want the listeners to pay attention to because the things are that you know they always go from one thing to another and they are not that you know anything just happens overnight you will hear a lot of parents say that their child was constipated to begin with or their child was actually having reflux and they were even given zantac like you know something that you know they give it to babies and it's crazy that zantac was recalled you know recently right I mean, it's so bad, even for adults, and they actually used to give it to babies. And so that's because whenever the gut is involved and the gut isn't functioning optimally, in this case, she had antibiotics to begin with. That actually started the messing up of the uh, gut already. And on top of it, you know, also that, did she have tongue tie? I'm not sure if she does. I think all of all of all of you guys do, right? Yeah. So tongue tie, I have actually noticed in my practice that it's something that is to do with uh, the detoxification ability of a child or not. So everything we have to detoxify from, even if it is actually uh, a vitamin that you're taking, you have to be able to digest and break it down and absorb that. So everything has to be not detoxified from a vitamin, but other things, every single thing, any drug that's put into the body has to be detoxified from. So which means that from the get go she actually had antibiotics and then you know in her case vaccines as well even though she was a NICU baby immediately it was given earlier than the due date and all of those things actually contributed to her body becoming worse and worse but it all started with her gut and when that wasn't necessarily addressed but only by holding and so on and so forth not really healing the gut then it actually moved on to the skin which is a very classical way it actually goes most children who have eczema have also gut issues most children who have asthma also have gut issues because they only go gut lungs skin these are the three you know pathways through which it almost always comes out so if your child is one that's actually dealing with any of these conditions if they have constipation deal with it now so don't wait until something else comes up if they actually have a reflex deal with it now because these are all signs that the body is saying that something is happening to me fix me heal me not just put a band-aid on me because this is actually going to uh, lead to bigger problems if you do put a band-aid on it and then what happened after that the eczema yes so basically after like you know she was having that and the eczema she started having constipation as you were mentioning Mm -hmm. and but the thing is like every time we'll take her for her vaccine she was having really high fever and creaming and crying and so I didn't like to see that and it just didn't feel right. So I was telling my husband, I was like, you know, I don't like how she reacts every time we're giving her the vaccines. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give her more. Mm-hmm. But he had, was on the idea that we have to do it. This is like, you know, saving lives. We right. need to give the vaccines. So we came to an agreement. I said, okay. Let's just spread them out then. Mm-hmm. And so he said, okay, let's spread them out. Mm-hmm. So we started spreading out the vaccines. And whenever we're giving her just one at a time, mm-hmm. it was much better. Mm-hmm. She was able to handle it better. Mm-hmm. And we we're like, okay, this is this is better. Mm-hmm. This is a good compromise or mm-hmm. whatever. So, But then we were going to take a trip at the, like, you know, right before she turned three to Mexico. And at that point, I mean... Even though, you know, she was having the, like, you know, we were talking about the eczema, but Mm -hmm. it was, you know, anything bad, anything. Mm -hmm. We went to, she was playing, like, you know, super good with her sister. And And this was a three? When she was three years old. Okay. Yes. Uh And she was amazing at her ability to catch both languages. Mm -hmm. So she was already speaking to me in English, in in Spanish and Mm -hmm. to my husband in English. And I will have her, like, you know, telling, like, the numbers or the Mm -hmm. letters. Mm -hmm. And my husband was worried about Anna Mm -hmm. because Anna couldn't remember things. Okay. But Isabella was being able to capture both and do it really good. 
But then whenever we took him to the pediatrician, she said, okay, you're behind on the vaccines. Mm -hmm. So she needs to get them all before you go on your trip because she uh. might die of all of these things that you haven't vaccinated her from. I was like, what? And so my husband, at that point, he put his foot down and he said, this is my child too. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's the doctor. She knows what she's doing. Mm. So we're going to do it. Mm. And if you don't want to watch it, just wait outside mm. and I'll be here while they do it. Mm. And so I went outside with Anna while mm. I was hearing Isabella scream and uh, putting all those vaccines. And after that, then we flew to go to see my parents mm. and whenever we landed there mm. she started screaming and having like convulsions mm. and she looked like her body was twitching in ways that just seemed abnormal that she could do that and yeah. I couldn't calm her down I was trying to breastfeed her she will like not take anything mm. any lasted hours oh my so gosh. I went and walked up my parents and I said I don't know what to do I was in tears mm -hmm. I was like nothing is working for her mm. so we had to drive to the emergency room and whenever we got to the emergency room my dad mentioned like you know she had just given all these vaccines mm -hmm. if this had anything to do with it mm -hmm. and I said yes could could this be anything and the doctor got super angry at us mm -hmm. for even bringing that up and mm -hmm. he said no that that's not the case and you know and this is just a virus and mm. she probably got this virus at the airport while you were traveling mm. so you i'm just going to give you this prescription and you're just going to give her that and you know and go away so we left but mm. whenever we left i realized that the doctor had not even checked her skin and whenever mm. i removed her clothes she was full of red dots all mm. over oh wow and so i was like what is this mm. i was like you know she was giving the mmr mm. and i was like this what is this she was just vaccinated against this and mm -hmm. i was like the doctor didn't even mention this and mm -hmm. she has all this so we went back to the emergency room mm. and i so upset that we came back and wow. i said listen i was like it's just that you didn't even notice this and she's mm -hmm. covering red dots mm -hmm. could this be something else mm -hmm. And he said, no, it's just probably a virus and mm. part of the virus and just, just do what I said and, and that's it. So we came back. I was very upset that I couldn't calm her down. Mm. And so eventually we started noticing how her ability to communicate, her ability to socialize, everything started decreasing and it started going down. Her uh, constipation issues started getting severe. Mm. The eczema, that's started getting uh, completely out of hand. Mm. And so I was like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Mm. And then she started rocking. She, she started drooling. She mm. will like, I will give her a, a spoonful of food and she wouldn't swallow the food. She mm. will keep the food in her mouth. Mm -hmm. And I was like, take it out, take it out. And I will try to take it out and she oh wouldn't let gosh. me. And so it will last for hours until finally I was like, this baby's not drinking. This baby's not eating. I need to take that food out. Mm. And so I will have to force her jaw open, jaw open to get the food out. Mm. And then she will start like drinking like crazy because she was so thirsty. Aww. And so I was like, what is this? I, I couldn't understand it. And it, like, whenever we'll take her to the pediatrician, they they couldn't tell us what was going on. 
And so I was like, this is just, um, she was having this severe meltdowns. Mm. Her sister was like, my sister doesn't like me because mm. she stopped playing with her completely. Mm-hmm. And she started ignoring everyone. Mm-hmm. And so at some point, she will be just rocking and hitting herself. Mm. And we will be calling her and she wouldn't react. So we thought she had gone deaf. Wow. So we're like, okay, we need to get her tested. So we went to get her tested and for her hearing. And they say, no, her hearing is fine. And we're like, okay, so what's going on? And so somebody started, like, you know, people started mentioning, she looks like she has autism. Mm. Like, you know, she, the way she's flapping her hands, the way she's rocking, the way she's ignoring everyone, she's not mm. talking, and all these different things. And I was like, what is autism? What's, mm. And so then I just started researching autism. And whenever I researched that, it was just scary. I was mm. like, no, how can my baby have autism? Right. We took her to a neurologist, and the neurologist by pure observation, because that's the way autism is determined, is mm-hmm. by observing the child, decided like, yes, yes, she's definitely autistic. So he gave us a diagnosis with autism. And then we took her to a developmental pediatrician, mm-hmm. which there's only one here that would do that type of evaluation. And mm-hmm. it takes several days. Mm-hmm. And then after those several days, he said, like, you know, she has autism. And that the only way to give her a chance in life will be to do the ABA therapy. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, what is ABA therapy? And so I called my cousin who has a child with autism and Mm -hmm. she explained to me, she's like, don't be afraid of the therapy. Mm -hmm. It's going to be for her best to give her a shot in life. So you just have to go with it. But I didn't like the sound of it. I was Mm -hmm. like, why do I need to be afraid of something? Mm -hmm. And so whenever I started looking, And it's kind of interesting to me as you're sharing this, what actually goes on in my mind is that how just raising a child normally, we think that, you know, we just feed them, take care of them, make them sleep, get up, you know, take care of them, give them a shelter and all of those things too. actually having all of these issues. And on top of it, having to learn like a completely new language, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, autism, developmental pediatrician, you know, ABA therapy. I mean, Mm -hmm. none of these words even (laughs) sound familiar, right? You know, for most people, it isn't. You know, for most people, even today, I'm surprised every time, you know, I have a patient, new patient with autism, the parents are like, you know, I mean, they are like literally deers, you know, in the headlight. That's how they are actually. And I, I feel that, you know, it's all these new terms that are just thrown at them. And now they actually have to just embrace it. Oh my God, my child actually has all of these issues. And on top of it, I need to do this, this, and this. And then now their entire life gets taken over by these kinds of things. True. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. It was my new career, my new focus. I was like, you know, trying to understand all of these, trying to research it. And, and whenever I started researching ABA, I didn't like what I found because the original ABA was basically like conditioning therapy where it's like what you would do with a dog. If Mm -hmm. a dog is doing something good, you give him a little treat. But Mm -hmm. if a dog is doing something that you don't like, then you punish them. And the punishment that they would use at ABA would be various. They maybe force a child to eat something disgusting or they might just do something that hurts them physically. And so I was thankfully that has changed now. It has changed, yes. but that therapy right. back, back then, then was that That way. was the one yeah. that my cousin. So the way they had it is you drop your little three-year-old in right. the morning, right. like let's say at eight in the morning, and you pick him up at three in the afternoon. And that is still the same and way you today have too. no access. Right. So how do you know how they're treating your kid, mm-hmm. your baby, what's going on? Mm-hmm. They t- completely separate parents from their child. Mm-hmm. 
And I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. And so I started looking at different other alternative and finally I found into developmental individual relationship model by Dr. Stanley. Or also called as DIR model. Yeah, the mm-hmm. DIR model. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Stanley, he did a lot of research. He was able to scan the brains of children who have used this therapy and mm-hmm. it was very successful. Mm-hmm. It was more successful than ABA mm-hmm. in everything, even in compliance. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't believe that because DIR is all about going to the child's world, Mm -hmm. entering their world in Mm -hmm. a very loving way. You're very patient. You let them take the lead. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very different approach. And it has been very proven to be very successful. Mm -hmm. But we couldn't find a DIR specialist Mm -hmm. here Mm -hmm. because the insurance won't pay for that. Mm -hmm. And it won't make as much money as ABA. Mm -hmm. ABA is something that you have to pay a therapist for years to come. Where DIR Mm -hmm. is you train the parent Mm -hmm. so that the parent can eventually help their own child. Mm -hmm. And so this is an initial investment. Mm -hmm. And then there's no money involved. So I guess that's part of it. And it also takes a lot more from a parent to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. So I had to train myself. So I bought the books. I went into the website and I took the the course and I was able to start applying that at home and start training anybody in Mm -hmm. my family who wanted to help Mm -hmm. and telling them, okay, this is how we're doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that was key, Mm -hmm. bringing as many people as they were willing Mm -hmm. to come and join and Mm -hmm. help the effort because everybody will have a different approach and a new idea right. with the using the concept of the kid leads. And that was a blessing. That's wonderful. I mean, I'm glad you actually took the help as well, because it's not such an easy thing to raise a child. And that's the reason why they say right, it takes a village to raise a child. And it is so true. And especially in this case, where a child is having difficulties with things. I mean, I'm glad you didn't really exhaust yourself or completely drain yourself by trying to do everything yourself because sometimes we think that we need to be that in order for us to be a good mom or a good father, right? That's a very common concept a lot of people feel. If I can't do it all by myself, then I'm not good enough. And so I'm glad that you didn't really fall into that you know, well, because, you know, it's a, it's a very deep one. You can't really get out of it. I'm glad you actually had the help as well. And then what happened after that? So after that, whenever we realized, okay, we're dealing with a child with autism and it has all these things, I found a holistic pediatrician that, you know, could give us more insight. Mm -hmm. So she did a lot of testing. Mm -hmm. She was able to pinpoint into other areas that I had not considered. It seems to have a a role into what had taken place. Mm But whenever we started doing the testing, I realized that the toxicity that she had in her body was off the charts Mm. and that the only way that she could have gotten that into her body was through the vaccines. Mm -hmm. So it made me really upset to come to that understanding and to realize that I could have prevented her from getting to suffer all the pain that she was suffering. Mm -hmm. But knowing the reality, I was like, okay, so what are the options that we have now. Mm. At that point, I tried different things. I was trying to do, like I went, then it's whenever I discovered, okay, chiropractic care. So I started taking her to see a chiropractor. I tried to do acupressure mm-hmm. with her. One of the chiropractors that we were seeing, he was using some homeopathic remedies, mm-hmm. but to detox her from the mercury levels that she had. Mm. And then eventually the issue that we couldn't figure it out was her eczema. Her eczema was off the charts. 
She couldn't sleep at night. She will scream in pain constantly. And any trip that we will make in car, she will arrive with blood all over her oh. clothes because she just like her skin was just like, you know, that bad. She was scared to death to take a shower because it just hurt whenever the water will touch all of her wounds on her body. Mm. And, you know, nobody could give us an answer. So the pediatrician that we were seeing at that time, you know, she was so overwhelmed with so many patients and they were telling us that we needed to wait like two weeks or something crazy like that for mm -hmm. her to be seen. And I was like, how can you let me have a screaming child for two weeks? This mm -hmm. is not right. I need to be seen sooner. And so that's whenever they say, well, my family said, come to Mexico and get her treated here. And we had to take a trip to Mexico trying to find answers over there. So I started just praying and praying and praying. And I was like, I want to heal my child. What do I need to do? Mm -hmm. And so on my way back from Mexico, they have given her steroids, which mm -hmm. of course come down the skin. But mm -hmm. it was something that was not going to last forever. Right. But it gave me the peace of mind mm -hmm. or the calm that I needed to look for other answers mm -hmm. and that's whenever I came with Hygieia homeopathy and mm -hmm. I was like huh and there was something about your practice that that made me come to it mm -hmm. first because mm -hmm. they were recommending different options right the people mm -hmm. that I was approaching and asking what do I do and so I whenever I came here and I sat down with Isabella in my arms and you started talking to me, that's mm -hmm. whenever I realized that I was in the right place. Mm -hmm. And that's whenever I felt, you know, your love and you're really, you know, you, you really truly cared and you gave us hope and you said, okay, we are gonna deal with this and we're gonna figure it out. And I was already feeling so thankful and, you know, we were just getting it started. Mm -hmm. oh, I still remember that time, how Isabella was and, how you were and, you know, all the story. Like, and I mean, it's now like, you know, jotting my memory right now, you know, talking about all of these things, but I almost forgot because it's been so many years since, right? <laughs> it's been like, what, five, six years now yeah. since that day. So it's been, you know, quite a bit of time. And so, yeah, I almost forgot about exactly all of the things that you had been through. So now I'm like thinking about all of that. I'm thinking, wow, how <laughs> horrible is it that, you know, we have a system where you know it's like one thing after the other after the other after the other and most parents don't really have answers and they're just struggling and going from pillar to post just wanting to get their child to feel relief and so i mean it's it's amazing how we live and not in a good way <laughs> yes yeah no it was amazing to me but i realized how lucky i was that i started being so open from the very beginning mm -hmm. because otherwise I wouldn't have found you and right. I wouldn't find all the answers. The only answer that they gave me from the pediatrician, from the doctors, was she has autism, there's nothing you can do, mm -hmm. you're just going to have to search for therapy. And right. many parents stay there right? and they don't change anything and they just put their child into this place where they yes. drop off their kid and right. then they come back. But 
they don't understand that there's so much healing that needs to take place in yes. order for their child to truly, yes. you know, have a chance. Yes. And also another thing that I want to mention here is this, that even when people do do something, they usually go try something for a little bit of time and then they go away. They try something and then they go away. Because I understand that most parents with children with autism, it's overwhelming. I understand that. And I know that when we started out, you actually had to do certain kinds of things. And you were also doing green juice for her every single day. And even though she wouldn't really drink out of a sippy cup or a cup, she would have to, she was still drinking out of a bottle. It was still good enough. You know, at least you were getting some nutrients into her body. And I know that you had to do a lot of things, but your commitment to doing it to her, to get her out of that was extremely huge it was extremely amazing because that incredible commitment is what actually contributed to it because that's something that i often see and i tell patients all the time or people all the time that you need to commit to it for a period of time because there is so many so much of work that needs to be done it's not like a band-aid it's not like this and done it's not that's not how this works we really have to work on the gut we really have to work on the brain we really have to work on the lymphatics there's just so much that needs to be done no, that's true. And one of the things that I did was I started focusing on the people who healed their kids. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And I started asking them, how do you manage to do that? And uh-huh. what I found is that even though they have tried different things, mm-hmm. there was one thing in common that they all had, mm-hmm. and they all had a diet. Yes. And I realized, okay, if there is anything, mm-hmm. you know, that I need to do for sure is a diet. Yes. And that was the one thing that I remember talking to this one mom who has now an an adult autistic in diapers, having to be in an institution. She says, I tried everything but a diet. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I didn't do the diet is because it sounded too hard Mm -hmm. and my husband couldn't get on board with it. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't just like, you know, keep my child from eating the foods that he couldn't eat if my husband was eating them in front of him. And so I just... I was like, wow. I was like, okay, this is not what is going to happen. So I had that conversation in my house. Mm -hmm. And I was like, we're not going to have any foods that she's not allowed to have. Mm -hmm. And if you want to have them, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But you're going to have to find a hiding place where Mm -hmm. you can go in secret. Mm -hmm. And if you really need that (laughs) Uh in your life, then you can have it. Mm -hmm. But we're going to do this together so that we can actually, because yeah, otherwise it would be very, very difficult to do. So that was one of the things I found out, like, you know, GAPS diet you, through a cousin who has also his child had a bad reaction with to a vaccine and got meningitis and mm-hmm. then he had bad seizures. So he told me about this. And so we started doing the GAPS diet. Mm-hmm. And like you said, she wouldn't take it, right? right? So I was like, okay, how can I do this? Mm-hmm. So what I started doing is, okay, she liked apple juice. And so I would do the green juice with all this zucchini and carrots. Mm-hmm. And I will blend it real good. Mm-hmm. And and then I will put a few drops of the uh, chicken soup mm-hmm. in it mm-hmm. and some drops of the apple cider mm-hmm. vinegar. Mm-hmm. And then eventually started increasing as the mm-hmm. amount. And anytime she was thirsty, that was the only option mm-hmm. for her to drink. And mm-hmm. so she started getting used to it. And she she started devouring those. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden she will have like, you know, five or six bottles of mm-hmm. the green juice. Mm-hmm. And I was like feeling, okay, you know, mm-hmm. if that's all she's 
eating mm -hmm. in a day, that's okay because mm -hmm. that's full of the spinach and mm -hmm. like you know all this good stuff. Do you mind telling what was in the green juice fully so yeah. that our listeners can actually you know do that as well for their children you know who are actually having to deal with all of these issues? Yeah, so I will put in a pot. I will put carrots, zucchini, spinach in a, in water, and I will cook that mm -hmm. and once it was cooked I will put it in the blender with the liquid mm -hmm. and I will blend it real really good mm -hmm. all of those will disintegrate so good that right. you don't even have to use a colander afterwards mm -hmm. but if you want if your child is still super picking you want to make sure then use a colander just to make sure that everything blended good and then on that one I will mix it with a little bit of apple juice mm -hmm. just enough so that the kid will drink it mm -hmm. and then I will put a few drops of apple cider vinegar mm -hmm. and I will I will start like you know with with two drops and then I will start increasing the amount of apple cider vinegar mm -hmm. until I was able to put like one teaspoon or mm -hmm. of apple cider vinegar and then with the chicken soup mm -hmm. I will make the chicken like I will do a I will make sure that it was pasture raised mm -hmm. or a free range mm -hmm. chicken I will put celery I will put ginger turmeric I will put apple cider vinegar into it uh, Himalayan salt and that will be like, you know, those will be the basic ones. Mm -hmm. And so I will cook that. And then the liquid, the, the stock, mm -hmm. that's what I will add mm -hmm. to the juice. Mm -hmm. And I will try to add as much as she will drink, mm -hmm. you know, it will be the, to make her taste good for her. And so those were her drinks. Those mm -hmm. were like every time she was thirsty, that's what she will drink. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand, but that was started really yes. helping to heal because whenever we're doing the testing, she was allergic to everything mm -hmm. and anything that she was touching. Mm -hmm. And now I understand that the reason why she was allergic is because she had a leaky gut. Right. And everything that she was eating was just going directly into her bloodstream right. and causing inflammation. And so the moment that we started healing her gut, mm -hmm. then the allergies started to disappear. Yes. Yes. That's wonderful. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, how did you come to that idea of doing that juice? I have to give credit to my mom mm -hmm. because I was telling her like I cannot get her to eat any veggies mm -hmm. and she said how about if you do it like that mm. and I was like huh, okay I mean mm -hmm. I'll give it a try mm -hmm. but I doubt it mm -hmm. and so whenever I did that and started working I was just like oh my gosh it yeah. works yeah so yes that is wonderful I'm so glad to hear that and then through the process of treatment what are the things that were overcome and tell a little bit about Isa today like you know where is she from that point in time you heard all of that suffering and challenges yes. so what had happened after that so one of the dreams my husband had was for Isabella to speak again mm -hmm. and to say I love you he said that that will be for him the biggest thing in his life or mm -hmm. dream is was just to hear her say that mm -hmm. back to him and now Isabella oh my gosh she loves to tell jokes mm -hmm. which is huge <laughs> for kids with autism yes. because she's able to socialize at, mm -hmm. a, at that level she is a person who now likes to initiate conversations with mm -hmm. people she doesn't know mm -hmm. and so she asked me mom can I go and make friends with those kids mm -hmm. and I'm like go for it mm -hmm. and so she goes and she starts saying hey like hey what is your name you want to play right and I'm just blown away by that yes she's the most loving little girl ever she wakes up in the morning and she's always coming home and saying where is my favorite mom in the whole world and running <laughs> and jumping into my arms and giving me kisses and hugs 
and she's telling me how much she loves school. She's mm -hmm. like, Mom, I love school. I mm -hmm. love math. I'm going to go into my room and work on some math. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes <laughs> she disappears and she's just doing math and adding and making her own problems. I tell her that, you know, she's going to be a chiropractor whenever mm -hmm. she's older and mm -hmm. she's going to fix mommy's bones. Mm -hmm. And she's so excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> that is so wonderful. I still remember how so many of the different things, like her eyes would hurt and she didn't want to you know, open her eyes. She didn't want to go into the shower. She didn't want the water touching. She didn't want to swim. She didn't want to do so many things. And now when I actually see her, it is like, I mean, nobody can actually tell that she ever had autism, right? Until you say something to them. They wouldn't even know that she was actually a child who had autism. So and that's how amazing of a transformation that has been. And it was beautiful because you're right. So whenever I started coming to you, I came for eczema. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, so she has eczema and she cannot sleep. And that mm -hmm. was the thing that was at that point, like the biggest thing. Right. And I remember you said, okay, you know, this is not going to be from one day to the next. Right. So keep doing the medication that you're doing mm -hmm. and we will slowly take it away right. until her body's able mm -hmm. to handle it on its own. Mm -hmm. And so that was another thing, you know, how gentle your approach was because it was not like, okay, let's make her suffer until mm -hmm. this works mm -hmm. in. It was like, no, let's do it like this. And right. so I was like, okay. So we started doing that. And I remember it got to the point where all of a sudden I didn't need to use the medication anymore. Right. And we will go to the homeopathic remedy. Mm -hmm. And it was working wonders. Yes. And I was like, wow. And then eventually we don't need the homeopathic remedy anymore. Yes. And now yes. her body's able to do it on its own. Yes. And I'm like, wow. And so coming here... It was every time uh, you allowed me to become a better observer of my mm -hmm. child. Mm -hmm. And that was the other thing. I have never sat down with a doctor who asked me so many questions about my child and made me question, what was I doing? I was like, oh my gosh, I thought I knew my child, but mm -hmm. I don't know her that well. Mm -hmm. And so I had to grab a journal and start writing down how does she wake up in the morning? Mm -hmm. the, the meltdowns, how long do they last? Mm -hmm. What triggered it before? Mm -hmm. What triggered it after? How much did she eat? What are her bowel movements? Mm -hmm. How many bowel movements is she having? Is she making like to struggle or not? Right. And at night, I mean, all these things. Yes. And I was just like, you know, amazed at how much information I was missing from my own child that yes. I didn't know was leading us to finding ways to understand her better and to heal her. Yes. And so whenever you taught me that and then coming every month and just asking me, okay, so how is she doing with this issue? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I was jumping out of my seat because I was like, what issue? Oh mm -hmm. my gosh, that's true. She had that issue. Right. And now she doesn't. So I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, wow. And so you were like, okay, wonderful. So let's go to the next. Now mm -hmm. we're going to heal this. Mm -hmm. And it was like layers that you were peeling. And you yes. were like, okay, we fixed this one. Now let's fix this other one. And, and every month there was a new approach and there was a new goal that we were having for her. And one of the just shocked me that it was just like, wow, was whenever she wouldn't go in the pool. Mm -hmm. And we will go to all these pool parties and it was torture because she will be in the heat just walking around the pool mm -hmm. and afraid to go in. And I was like, come on, Isabella, come mm -hmm. on. And she was like, no, no, no. And so I told you, I said, you know, 
pool parties are torture because mm-hmm. she won't go in and right. the entire time she just wants to stay by the edge. And you said, okay, no problem. I'm going to give you this remedy, which is specifically for the fear of water. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay. <laughs> and so I took it back. I gave it to her. And the next day she was swimming like a fish in the water. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what in the world? Yes. And the other one was Apis. Yes. With the food reactions that she mm-hmm. will have. And then the throat will close mm-hmm. up and she will have hives all over her body. And right. that will happen to both of my children. Mm-hmm. But that was what opened my husband's eyes. Mm-hmm. Because my husband was always questioning, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You're not going to a regular doctor. Mm-hmm. You're going to a homeopathic doctor. Mm-hmm. What is a homeopathic doctor? Mm-hmm. And he didn't understand any of that. And so he was questioning, like, what are you doing? And so... Finally, he got to see it in action because mm-hmm. even though she had been healing, mm-hmm. he was like, huh, but he, I don't know if in the back of his mind, he was wondering if this was coincidence, if mm-hmm. it was anything else that I was doing, right. or it was truly just the homeopathy that was right. working. And then finally, whenever she was having a severe reaction and I said, grab Apis right now and we're going to give it. And, mm-hmm. and that was the other thing. I will contact you mm-hmm. and you will respond to me. Mm-hmm. And I was just like amazed because mm-hmm. that had not been my experience with doctors. It was like, oh, we'll see you in two weeks. Mm-hmm. No, but my child is needing right mm-hmm. now, you know, and I mm-hmm. couldn't wait to. Mm-hmm. And so you told me what to do and I did it. And he saw that within minutes mm-hmm. and started clearing out mm-hmm. and he was in shock. And that happened two other times. Mm-hmm. And now he knew. He's like, where's Apis? <laughs> he knew, like, to give that. And now he he understands yes. that, you know, that homeopathy is not just what many people mistakenly believe. Right. That it's just a placebo effect. Right. And that it's, yes. he saw it in action. And that's what opened his eyes, thank goodness. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm super glad about how it is. But what I really want the listeners to pay attention to is that you can actually have a really good doctor. You can have a great treatment plan but one of the things is stick with whoever you're doing if your heart feels like this is the right place to be then stick with it you know don't keep jumping from one practitioner to another because that can be really detrimental because every time you start over and if you start over you're actually giving yourself longer time and can lead to frustration and so on and so forth and in this case it's not just what I did it is Gina's mindset it is Gina's commitment to uh, recover her child from autism so she kept looking she kept doing so many things and she herself was super involved with the child and doing DIR and trying to bring the child lovingly and even today I mean the way she actually is with her children it is just the most amazing sight she definitely makes mothers look good (laughs) you know let me put it that way and it is true. It is just so beautiful to see that, you know, I mean, they're, her girls are nine now and still the way she actually treats them with such love and respect. You know, those are all things that every one of us can learn from for sure. But every aspect of that, the support, the love, you know, to kind of be kind towards yourself, but also keep trying new things. But at the same time, not overwhelming yourself with a million other things. Every single thing actually mattered. So if you are anybody that you know, somebody that you love is actually dealing with any of these things, this is what I want you to take away from this. So do whatever it takes because you too, your child too, has the ability to heal. You deserve to heal. Your child deserves to heal. And it is just the way our body speaks through all of these signs and symptoms, whether it is uh, acid reflux or whether it is constipation or whether it is autism or eczema, asthma. It doesn't matter what the name is. It is just the language of your body. So listen to it. Find the right practitioner. 
and the right one will help you, guide you, hold your hand through it, and uh, they'll be able to help you through the process, but obviously you are the one who has to do the most of the process. They can only give you steps, but take care of yourself so that you can take care of your loved ones. So I really thank you so much, Gina, for coming here today and sharing the story because it is such a powerful story with all of the struggles that you have dealt with, but your attitude today too shines like us in a thousand suns. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. And so thank you so much for listening today. And I'll come back with another amazing interview of healing from another disease in two weeks. I know you have places to be and things to do, but thank you for listening to me. And uh, please do share our podcast if you love it. Maybe you will actually help someone else get hope and be able to take care of themselves better. Thank you.